Welcome to the program. I'm Mary Goulet, your host, along with Richard Ote. Steve is off saving the world somewhere out here. And we have Wade in the control booth. This is Beyond Eight Figures. So our guest today is Nathan Hirsch of FreeUp.com, and that's three E's, FreeUp.com. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. As you know, I've been working in the world of e-commerce for a long time now, and our guest blew my socks off, and I'm looking forward to hearing more. So, Nathan, before we get started here, um, we wanted to, you know, when we have people on Beyond Eight Figures, we like to figure out how exactly they qualify. Do you currently run a business that's $10 million a year or more, or did you exit a business for $10 million? Hey, yeah. First of all, thanks so much for having me on. I, I currently run FreeUp. In the past 12 months, we've done $10 million. I'm still the owner of FreeUp. Awesome. So did, are you saying that you've only... Okay, wait. How long have you had the company? <laughs> this is year four. I actually started the business with $5,000. And in the past, we did $1 million, $5 million, $9 million, um, in, in the first three years. But in the past 12 months, we've done over $10 million. So yeah, when I was looking... So uh, we're connected on LinkedIn also, and I was, you know, kind of looking up other stuff with you and kind of checking out what you've done in the past. And also, we also have a little bio. Um, How did you, do you want to talk specifically about free up first, or do you want to kind of go, what got you started? Because part of what we cover in Beyond Eight Figures is how do you start the business? How do you scale the business? And then exit potentially the business. And so I know with you uh, and uh, knowing enough about free up too, and we'll get deeper into that in a minute that you kind of, it sounds as if you had a process in the past and you probably created free, free up out of necessity uh, or at least had that idea baking in there for the future company. So what, what got you started in business in the, in the beginning anyway? Yeah, I mean, my parents were both teachers growing up, so I always had that mentality that I was going to go to school, get a real job, work for 30 years and retire, and that's what they did, and they're retired now, and they live a a pretty good life, but I knew at a pretty young age that that wasn't for me. I had some summer internships. I was working 40 hours a week while all my friends were outside playing, and I just wanted something more, so when I got to college, I kind of looked at it as a ticking clock, and I started hustling and buying textbooks, and that led me to Amazon. This was back in 2008 before Amazon was Amazon, um, before the gurus and the courses and everyone was doing it. So I got into Amazon at a, a really great time. I, I scaled that business to over $20 million. At one point, we did over $5 million a year. And I really grew that business using remote freelancers and remote virtual assistants. I mean, I was 2021. It was pretty tough to hire people in the US at that age. So I kind of turned to the remote hiring workforce as a necessity, and I got pretty good at it, the Upworks and the Fivers of the world, but I always just wanted something faster. It took too long to go through applicants, interview them one by one, and I kind of had this idea that that I could do it better, that I could build a better platform. And as the Amazon business uh, became more saturated, and we weren't necessarily, we were still making money, but we weren't scaling or doubling every year like we were the first few years. We were kind of hovering between three and five I created FreeUp as a side project with $5,000. And whenever you start a business, you never know what the client feedback is going to be like. I I essentially had this Rolodex of freelancers that I had used for my Amazon business. So 
when I talked to other Amazon sellers, they had that same frustration. They, they dreaded posting a job and getting all these applicants and they just wanted fast talent. So I said, hey, I'm launching the free up platform. Whenever you need a, an Amazon lister, an Amazon customer service rep, an Amazon PPC expert, all you have to do is message me and I'll introduce you right away. And that was really the concept of free up, a very basic software that had time clock, time clock in there for people to clock in and clock out. And people would email me or message me on Facebook or Skype me and I'd make that personal introduction. And once people started to like that experience and have a good experience with the people we send them, we really scaled it from there. So, so you had the uh, original need and built your Rolodex via your first company you were doing I think was it in like were you actually in college were you saying when that happened the first business yeah I, I started it my sophomore year of college so I ran it three years in college and about four years after college got it and so during that time you're building this Rolodex that it, you haven't started free up yet but you're building what turns into the Rolodex that's your initial uh, assistants or VAs that you now plug into so I'm curious was the first five thousand dollars that you spent on free up on software or what, where did you spend that first 5,000? Yeah. Uh, most of it w was software. Um, I mean, th there's two parts of our website. So there's the WordPress site and then there's the, the time clock, which is built in node. So we had to build both of that. The website's more from a marketing and information standpoint, the time clock really just started as a clock in and clock out system. But now it's at the point where clients create their account, they put in a request, they get the introductions there the affiliate programs there, you, you can limit and pause people. There are tons of, of functions, but we really started the, the premise for that. And as we started to get more sales and make money week after week, we would just keep investing in that software and, and building our, our infrastructure. So you mentioned Fiverr. This is Mary. Um, how does your company compare or what's your number one competition throughout the years? Yeah, I mean, there's no shortage of competition. You got all the marketplaces, Upwork, Fiverr, OnlineJobs.ph, and then you've got every agency, virtual assistant agency out there. Um, what I tried to do was take everything I didn't like about the platforms and tweak it and keep everything I like. So with us, we get thousands of applicants every week. We vet them for skill, attitude, communication, take the top 1%, let them in. And these are virtual assistants, freelancers, agencies from all over the world five to 100 plus per hour fixed prices too. the top 1% get in. And then our clients get fast access to them whenever they need them. There's no browsing, they click request a freelancer, put in the request, we introduce them within a business day, usually faster, they can meet with them, make sure they like them, if they like them, they can hire them. If they don't, they can click pass and provide us feedback. And we'll get them someone else based on that feedback. And then on the back end, we have 24 seven support in case they have even the smallest issue and a no turnover guarantee. If someone quits for any reason, we cover replacement costs and get them a new person right away. So the four ways we're different is the pre-vetting, the speed, the customer service, and the protection. So how many people were involved in this enterprise and when did you add more people along the way? So here's the cool thing. It's me and my business partner. So I did it, I really transitioned 80% of my time and eventually 100% of my time to free up. And my business partner, Connor, um, back when Amazon was becoming more saturated, he was kind of figuring out what he wanted to do. So he had his own side business. He had another side business with my other business partner. And then he had FreeUp. And he was kind of seeing which one took off. Well, FreeUp took off. And he eventually became full-time on FreeUp. So we got the two of us. And what we do is we only hire people from our own platform. All the day-to-day -day operations are people in the Philippines, the virtual assistants that our other clients could have hired that we hired first. And 
They handle our customer service, our billing, our recruitment, and then all of our higher level stuff, the Facebook ads, the blogs, the, the Instagram marketing, every all of that, they're US freelancers, business owners on our platform that have we're just one of their clients and and we only build the business that way. So we have no office, we're entirely remote, and we only hire people from our platform. We have no employees in Florida or Colorado. Um, we only use freelancers and virtual assistants. Okay, so when you made such a huge growth, million three, five, nine, ten. What do you think was the key? Because that's massive dollars for this type of business, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, for what's funny is for the first year and a half, we didn't spend any money on marketing. We created a referral program, which is probably one of my better business decisions. And we gave out 50 cents for every hour that we built to someone forever, if you refer them to us. And for our influencers, we would double it. So it'd be a dollar for every hour that we build to them forever. And last year, we paid out about $300,000 in referral money. So that's a lot of 50 cents. So when we started free up and people started to have a good experience, they would start talking about us. And I would have clients that would say, hey, I was in a conference in Japan and someone was talking about free up. And then when we started to partner with influencers and Influencers, yes, they care about the affiliate money, but they also care about us taking really good care of their clients. And they could send their people to Upwork or to Fiverr, but they have no control over what experience that person's going to have. So the influencers bought in. They said, hey, I can refer people to free up. I'm going to get a kickback. I'm going to know that that my community is going to be taken care of. And that's really how we got off the ground. It was a combination of the referral program, influencers promoting us hard, and me getting on podcasts telling my story about growing a business in college and hiring. And I had some tips and, and mistakes to avoid all about. So a lot of good content about hiring. And that's how we scaled it for the first year and a half. And after that, we added Facebook ads and all, all these different marketing efforts that, that we do today. But we really built it off that word of mouth and the mentality of, of treating customers so well that there was that wow factor that they've had so many bad hiring experiences on all these other platforms that when someone finally impresses them and gives them that wow factor, they want to tell everyone else about it. And that referral program gives them a reason to do it. So in the beginning, was it uh, just a commission of the sales? Did they have to pay to get on board? Like how, how was the revenue generated from you in the beginning? Yeah, so the revenue model hasn't changed. It's free to sign up. There's no monthly fee. There, there's no minimums. You can stop using us at, at any time. It's in our best interest to get you people you actually like um, that that help you grow your business. So with us, we take 15% with the $2 minimum on any hours build and 15% on fixed prices. So if Bob is 10 bucks an hour, the, the client gets told it's 10 bucks an hour, they pay 10 bucks an hour, nothing else. The Bob gets, or the freelancer gets eight and we make that two. And if it's a fixed price project for a hundred bucks, the freelancer gets 85 and we take that 15. So that's been the same across the board. And I, I think a lot of agencies out there, I mean, we're a marketplace, but uh, I consider everything our, our competition, essentially. Um, a lot of those places, they make you buy hours up front and you're buying X, you're committing to X amount a month. We've really made it to that point where, where clients can leave at any time. They know there's no commitment. The, the barrier to entry is nothing because it's free to sign up. People are willing to give us a chance. And then once they have that good experience, they stay with us, they keep billing, and that's how we make our money. So do you have um, a staff or what is your overhead typically? Yeah, 
like I was saying before, we we really have no overhead. I mean, we have no office. We're entirely remote. Our virtual assistants are, are in the Philippines, and we only use U.S. freelancers. So we have no staff. It's all done um, remote but by people all around the world, the same people that are on our platform that we offer to other clients. So, I mean, the overhead is, is the infrastructure of our software, which is I mean, it's big, but it's relatively inexpensive compared to a, a huge office building. Um, but yeah. So so I take it, I, I think I heard in between there, but then it, you just clarified, you actually use your own system, more or less. We only, use, we only hire people from our own platform. It's so genius. It's like hand over fist. Yeah, that's great. What, um, so what, what's some of the most common, like if someone was going to get started... And, you know, here you are, again, we, we help people get started, we help them scale, and we learn about how people have exited, because I have not personally exited for 10 million yet, <laughs> learning the process myself. So um, what what is some of the first things, the first hires that you see people uh, needing that helps them scale their business or helps them get started focusing on what they need is there is there anything you can do to help people maybe um encourage them to take that first step at a certain place like is there a common theme you see across most businesses <laughs> it's my least favorite question only because i i mean i'm not a business coach and for me to talk to someone on the phone for 20 minutes and be like you need to hire this person right now it, it doesn't make a lot of sense and it, it's impossible to do so i kind of take a different mentality where I'm there to provide people options. And there's three levels of people you can hire, basic, mid, and expert. So a basic level person, non-US, five to 10 bucks an hour, they're they're gonna have years of experience because we're not a marketplace for newbies. But at the end of the day, they're followers. They're there to follow your system, your process. And then you got the mid-level, the 10 to 30, the specialist, they do the same thing 10 hours a day, graphic design, bookkeeping, writing. And and then you're not teaching them how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. And then you got the experts, the 20 and up, the high-level freelancers, consultants, agencies. They bring their own strategy, their own expertise to the table. They can project manage. They can handle big budgets. So what you have to decide as a business owner is where are you in your business? Are you stuck in the day-to-day operations and you're not focusing on enough high-level stuff? If that's the case, you need to hire a follower. Are, are all these projects just building up that you're not good at? You need a website, you need a logo, you need a, this infographic. Well, then you need to hire those mid-level specialists and start chipping away at those projects. And are you taking on something that's too far outside your core competency? Yes, you could spend the next six months learning how to run Facebook ads at a high level, but that's not a good use of your time as the owner of the company. So you want to hire an expert or an agency to come in and execute that so you don't have to. So it just depends on where you are at in the business. There's no right or wrong answer, and there's different ways to hire, and you can hire multiple at the same time. But you really have to figure out where you are in those three levels. No, I mean, that completely makes sense. And I I guess as you answered that question, I kind of thought of how I could have asked it a little different. What what did you need in the beginning and what was your first hire? What was your first VA in the way you needed it just to, as a use case? Yeah, great question. And I think a lot of people think I just woke up one day and hired 50 people. It, it didn't work like that. You start small and, and you build it up. 
Um, the first person I hired besides the developer who built the, the, the infrastructure, it was a, a customer service rep in the Philippines. Her, her, her name is Jane, still with us today. I think she started at 20 hours a week and I diversified. So I think I hired a second person at 20 hours a week and then I increased both their hours to 40. Um, and, and that was important to me because, I mean, wh when you're in a service business, especially nowadays, you're you're there 24 seven, your business is running 24 seven. And to have people there when I was sleeping or I was out, whatever I was doing um, was incredibly important to me. So that, that was one of the first hires. And, and once we had that and, and we ran out of people in our Rolodex, then I actually got this girl back, Cheeks, who had worked with me on my Amazon business, who had left us for another company. I ended up stealing her back, a long story there, um, but she took over our success team. So that's the people that, that interview all these applicants. So we really built out that team to, to um, have a, a supply for that demand. So that was really the structure of the developer, the two assistants for me, and then the person for our success team. And we built it out from there. And so is there any sort of project management tools inside of this too, where you can see where they're at in the process? Or uh, do you have to depend upon something else with this? Yeah, good question. It's not something we have now. Uh, one of the things I didn't love about the other platforms is you were very restricted in, in how you communicated with them. You had to do it through their messenger system, and you did kind of lost the relationship, in my opinion. So with us, when we introduce you to the freelancer and you can meet with them, we, we're under the mentality that every client has their own project management tool. And some people like Trello or Slack or Airtable. And, and we want you to be able to use whatever project management tool makes sense for you. So when you hire someone, you can you can implement them in your system, your process. Now, if you don't have one, we've got lots of talented people who already use these and they can help you implement it in your business. But there's no Nathan's way or FreeUp's way. Um, you can communicate and you can use whatever tools you need with the freelancer that you hire. So do you, when I, so first off, I will know the answers to these questions I'm about to ask you on my own later because I'm going to apply myself. I'm definitely in need of something like this for clients and myself. So you'll see me in there shortly, but I don't know those answers yet. So how do you sort? Do you sort by skill set? Do you sort by you're good at these types of tools or both? Or how do you kind of find this person you're looking for? Or does that happen in the onboarding process that you have with uh, the interview? So, so when you say sort, do you mean on the hiring side, like browsing through people? Yeah. So like do, when, say I sign up and I'm on free up and I'm looking for someone to do a job, uh, do I, is the process that I sort through s certain people's skill sets or do I say, this is the type of task I need done. And someone gets back to me and says, these are the people that are qualified for that. Or, um, maybe I, so s let me well, give you an example. Step two says request a freelancer. So is that what you're yes. talking? Yeah. And there's so no browsing. So you don't have to browse through people at all. That's not even an option. When you create a free account, there's no onboarding. I mean, we're not an agency where we're project managing along the way. You, you, we're a marketplace. You put in a request that goes to our back end project board. Freelancers get a chance to take it. We reach out to freelancers. We have a second level of qualification to make sure the person taking the ticket is actually a good fit. Although that kind of self-regulates itself because the freelancers know if they take tickets they're not a fit for, they're not going to get more clients from us. Got but it. you put in a request and we'll introduce you to someone within a business day. 
you can set up a time to meet with them, interview them. And then if you like them, you can hire them, negotiate rate, agree to fixed price. You can always ask for more options or you can click pass and provide us feedback and we get you someone else. So it's a much more Got efficient it. process than browsing through a hundred people. No, I love it. I love it. That's better. That encourage, encourages me even more that uh, you'll be seeing my email here shortly signing up. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. So where do you see the future of this type of business going? Just yeah, more competition? Yeah, Thanks. Yeah, I mean, there's no shortage of it. And Upwork and Fiverr just went public. So it, you can't compete with them on marketing. You can't compete with them on development. But I am a firm believer that we can compete with them on customer service and the, the speed. I think that the speed is a killer. I mean, the pre-vetting is great. The, the customer service is great. The no turnover guarantee helps people sleep better at night. But for me, our value add is our speed. And, and the other marketplaces have just become such a free-for-all where you have to browse through tons and tons of people if we have clients who get started within hours or minutes of putting in their requests, we're pretty fast. So for me, I'm focused on maintaining that speed, maintaining that quality as we scale. I'm also just a very short-term thinking entrepreneur. I mean, not that I don't plan for the future, but I, I, I kind of have that understanding that who knows what business will look like in 10 years. I mean, if you go back 10 years before and you told me I'd be selling baby products on Amazon, I, I probably wouldn't have believed you. And if you go back six years and you said I'd be running a freelancer marketplace, I probably wouldn't believe you. So things change, competitors come up, the, the whole climate can change, the economy and all that. So I, I'm kind of excited to see how far we can push this thing. So it sounds like your success team is really critical because that's where yeah, you get absolutely. the speed. Yeah, it, it's something we're, we're very focused on. And, and not just that, it, we also have to keep the freelancers happy. I mean, you have to remember that they, there's tons of places for them to offer their service. And a lot of times they go to those places, not because they want to, but because they have to, because that's where the clients are. We try to create a community where they not only come here for the clients, but they actually want to be here. We have a great community of similar minded people. We want to help them grow their freelance business. We have resources. We want to have that same 24 seven great support that we have for the clients for the freelancers so they know that we're on their side as much as we're on the client side. And, and we're really focused on that and adding great people to our community. And we know that's the core of the business. The second that we lose sight of that or we're not able to add talent or we're not able to keep talent on our platform, everything else doesn't matter. So when you mentioned Fiverr that they went public, are you looking at that as a possibility or you want to keep it close to home? <laughs> um, I, I think it's a little too early for that. I, I don't think that they were thinking about going public when they were at around $12 million or $10 million run rate. So um, I, I think this is a, a critical year for us. I mean, if, if you go, we did 9 million last year. And I mean, if we drop down to seven or we go up to 15 or we stay at nine, th those are three very different places. So I think this is a, a really critical year for us. And then we'll be able to make those decisions. So I notice here, you got a lot of well-known of partners too and your partner program here how it, what what starts to come to mind to me is i wonder how many people worry about in this type of a marketplace other people knowing their information that could potentially be working with someone else how do you kind of go about that and security for uh, knowing processes and inside information so this is my stance on risk. I mean, you're using freelancers at your own risk. It's in, it's in our terms of use. There's nothing me or, or anyone else can do to make that risk zero. Hiring is risky. There's always going to be a risk. Being an entrepreneur in general is risky, and hiring is, is just one part of that. Now, with that said, I've hired hundreds of people in my career for me personally. I've never had a, a security issue, knock on wood. And on the free up platform, I mean, we bill 16,000 hours-ish a week 
for three years, we've never had a serious issue. Now, I'm sure if we bill enough hours, eventually something will happen because that's real life. But the percentage is a lot smaller than people think. It's so hard to get onto our platform. Once people are on, they care so much more about staying on our, our platform and growing their business and providing for their family and getting more clients from us than they do about stealing your information. So yeah. yes, they they sign our terms of use and there's an NDA in there and and you should use LastPass and you should minimize risk. But the number one way to really protect yourself is to just build relationships with the way the people that you work with. I mean, there's no substitute for that. I've had people that I've fired or have quit on me and I didn't want to hurt them. They didn't want to hurt me. And if you keep that kind of mentality, 99.9 .9 times out of, out of 100, you're not going to run into those issues. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like that's how you built this business on the very same phrase, on relationships. You here, you started out in your dorm, you needed help. You started reaching out, getting other VAs. You didn't know at that point in time they were going to be uh, part of this big master plan of free up. But because you treated those relationships well, it sounds like, over time when you had the idea for free up, you kind of had a built-in workforce, uh, you know, not as big as it is now, obviously, but uh, that was the beginning of your workforce specifically because you treated those relationships well, it sounds like. Yeah, I kind of have the mentality that, that relationships are everything. I mean, I have freelancers that I I talk to. I mean, they can message me on Skype, and maybe I don't respond instantly, but I'm pretty fast. I'm pretty easy to, to get a hold of. And I mean, the, I, I give about my cell phone number. My cell phone number is on the site. My, my calendar is on the website. People overall are respectful. It's not like my phone's blowing up all the time or they're calling me on weekends. The, the average person doesn't do that. And, and if, if it did get out of control, I would take a step back and reset expectations. But that, that's never actually happened. So I, can, I try to be that CEO that's available, that, that listens to people's concerns, that takes feedback very seriously on the client, the freelancer, and the partner side. And I mean, that doesn't mean we can implement everything instantly, but we're always trying to improve. We're always trying to make the platform better for everyone. So what was the best advice that you've ever received? Because you were not raised by entrepreneurs, but yet you started this in college. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, some of the best advice I received is just get that minimum viable product out there. I mean, when we launched FreeUp, we, we had nothing. <laughs> we, if you saw our software then, that, that was not a big part of the business. But the we focused on, hey, we have this concept. We were honest. We were like, hey, this is a startup. We're going to do the best that we can for you. And we just got it out there. We listened to people's feedback. And people were pretty quick to say, hey, your software needs X, Y, Z, or, or this is what you should do. And, and we really listened to that feedback. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they try to to plan out and they just take too long to get to market where now I try to get everything done quickly. Our projects are getting out even maybe a little faster than they should. And we can always fix them and update them later. But for me, getting that out there as soon as possible has always been a, a very important part um, of the process. And I'm happy that uh, my aunt, who's an entrepreneur and a bunch of other people too, uh, uh, preached that to me. I remember with, with our Amazon business, when we were um, experimenting with different softwares, everyone was just saying, just get it out there, get it out there, get it out there, because you never really know what the market is going to be for until you get it out there. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, when, as we have guests on the show, I've kind of seen this tendency where there's something at some point in time in between the 1 million to getting to eight figures that someone either needs to break or change in their process. And, and 
I don't know if I see that in yours. Was there something, uh, even if it was a mindset, was there something you had to break or something you had to change to scale into single digits into the double-digit million? With free up, no. I mean, we we've kind of had the vision. We we built it so far; it's going well. We're, we're, we've made small pivots, but um, it, I mean, the biggest change actually came with my Amazon business. So I I never had a real job after college, and I really had this one manager that I worked with for years, and he was over the top. He stressed people out. He micromanaged them, but at the same time, I mean, that's the only manager that I ever learned from. So when I started managing people on my Amazon business. That's how I treated them. I, they, they were soldiers that, and they were robots and I was talking down to them and I was angry and I was upset and I stressed everyone out and no one wanted to be around me. No one wanted to work for me. And with my, with Connor, my business partner, he's the exact opposite. He's chill and mellow and he, he built those relationships and nothing stresses him out and he would treat people well. And I, I think we had a big clash around, I don't know, year four or five of the Amazon business where he, he essentially said, I don't want to work with you anymore unless you make some changes on how you're treating people. And, and at the end of the day, even if you just remove the whole personal aspect of treating people well, it, it's costing us money. There's turnover. People aren't productive. So for me, I had to go through a, a, a mindset shift of that's not how that's not the boss that I want to be in. I mean, even to this day, sometimes those tendencies just came up because I didn't really learn it any other way. I worked with this guy for for years. I mean, he was successful from a business side. He, he made the company a good amount of money. At least I think he did. Um, but that's not for me. That's not how you scale a startup. That's not how you scale a business. So for me, it's it was about changing my mentality and always trying to improve as a manager, as a leader. And and looking back, it doesn't even seem like I'm, I'm the same person as back then. Um, but there's definitely a part of me that sometimes reverts back to those old tendencies that you have to fight. You know, it's interesting you use that uh, improving yourself as a manager and a leader because of the business you chose is freelancers. So it's got that's got to be such a unique, like, literally, uh, you know, you have someone that's working with you for a little while and then they might not be, but it also sounds like you have a lot of people that have stayed loyal to you. How many employees that you hired early on are still working with you? I know you mentioned one, your one of your first hires there, but how many, uh, still help you personally? Yeah. Again, we don't, we don't have any employees. I mean, if you're talking about the virtual assistants that handle the internal operations, yeah, that's I, what I, I mean, I, I have people like Cheeks has worked with me for seven years, but I, the people that started with FreeUp, I mean, Marius, who runs our, my billing, Jane and Ladan, who are my main assistants, and and Cheeks have all been there pretty much since the beginning. And we've got lots of people, too, that that have. I mean, our turnover is very low. I think I, I kicked someone on my internal team um, either beginning of this year or end of last year, and that was the – the, the first turnover in a while. So, I mean, people, what's kind of cool, and we didn't necessarily plan it this way, it, it's really tough to get on the free up platform, right? And we only let the top 1% in. Well, it's even tougher to become on my internal team from the free up platform. So when people take that opportunity, and we're essentially taking the 1% of the 1%, they, they tend to do a really good job and want to keep that role because they look at it as a very big opportunity. So we're fortunate enough to have kept them around and there's other things that go in with it. We treat them well. I mean, we just gave out bonuses yesterday um, because we had a great first quarter and, and we want to treat people well and keep them around. So there, there's lots of different elements that go into play and, and turnover just crushes businesses. You have to do everything you can as, as a business owner to avoid that turnover. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I know Mary asked you earlier if you'd thought about uh, taking it public and I, you 
great answer. I mean, it depends. You're in an interesting scenario right here where you got to, you know, take it, really hone the ship and see where things are going. But um, what are your goals? Do you want to see if you can grow this as big as you can? Do you have a plan to exit at some point in time? Or what are your thoughts on exiting in general? I, I don't have a, a plan to exit right now. I don't think that's that's what Connor and I are, are thinking. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of excited to see how far we can push the thing. I, we we don't we never took on any debt or, or loans or, or investments. I mentioned that we started with this with five thousand dollars, so we're kind of playing with house money, and we're excited for it. We we still wake up every day, and, and we're passionate about it. We love the people we work with. The the fact that other people love the service from both sides is is obviously incredibly motivating, and and we really want to change the way that people hire. We feel like people have been doing it through the Upworks and the Fibers for five to ten years, and we want to. We want to really see how far we can push this thing and change it. I, I guess that's the best answer I can give. I, I think it's a little premature to, to think about selling it or, or going public. No, and it makes sense. I mean, we've talked to enough people now that it's kind of binary. It, it, it's either uh, they started it with the goal to sell it or they kind of want to see how far they can take it. I haven't really heard too many in between. So if you marry, it's kind of. And I, I, I kind of heard that in the tone. I was expecting yeah. that that would be your answer. Some just like, no, I want to get this to be X and I want out. Or others are just like, no, I'm really loving what I'm doing. I'm loving the process. I like what we built. And I just want to see how big we can take it. Doesn't mean they still didn't eventually sell one day. But, you know, it's it doesn't even sound like it's in your thought process right now. So that's cool. Um, what So... When when do you think it is the right time? Again, you kind of answered this earlier and you said you don't you're not like a business coach or whatever. But is there a time that's too early to ask for help or do you think people wait too long to ask for help? Help in terms of uh, like hiring people. Yeah, just hiring people, because I know there's a lot of people out there. They kind of different people say it in different ways, but the whole you know, work on your business instead of in your business. And I, I'm thinking that free up what they allow you to do is you got other people working in your business so you can work on your business. And I'm just really trying to think from a listener's point of view of, you know, the way you kind of laid this out, I would imagine I would, I would think with your platform set up like this, jumping earlier than you think is probably better than jumping later. You know, it sounds like you've got a pretty smooth, hey, it's no really monthly reoccurring. It's as you use it or buy this project. And so I'd imagine, you know, kind of like myself, ready to get on there and get signed up like that, you'd probably lean towards why not give it a try, right? I mean, self-promotion yeah, I mean, plug to your chance. I'm always a big fan <laughs> of hiring early. <laughs> I mean, regardless of, that I own a hiring platform, if you just think about it logically – you're either going to hire early or you're going to hire late. There, there's no in between. There's no hiring at the exact right second. That, that just doesn't exist. It's always mm-hmm. going to lean one way or the, of the, or the other. So if you hire a little bit early, worst case scenario, you let someone go. It's a little unfortunate. But, I mean, that, that stuff happens. Like things in business just come up anyway. If you hire late, those are big opportunities that, that you can miss out on. So for me, I'm, I'm trying to plan ahead. I'm saying, hey, this is our volume this is how much we made last month. This is how aggressive I want to be. If I want to be super aggressive in my business as an entrepreneur, maybe you invest 40 to 60% into hiring people. If you want to be more conservative, maybe you're, you're 10 to 30%, but figure out what that number is and hire people before you need them. And, and I think, I mean, I learned that lesson 
back in the day during my first busy season for e-commerce where I was not prepared, did not hire people, and I missed out on a big opportunity. And yeah, I had a successful busy season because I made some money, but I also worked 20 hours a day. I was stressed out of my mind, and who knows how much I could have made if I had just planned ahead and hired people in advance. So that's obviously a much simple, so simpler scenario than most people's businesses, but I mean, you gotta try to hire before you need them. If you're always hiring a little bit too late, it, over time, that's gonna really hurt you. Okay, wait, go back. You said you should hire before you need them. Yeah, and I- Do yes. they help shape your business a little bit? Yeah, I mean, l- let's take customer service, for example. If I'm, if I'm getting a, a good amount of volume and the volume in my business is growing, I don't want to wait until my team can't handle the volume anymore before I hire another person. I want to hire another person, get them trained up and integrated. And then when the volume increases, I already have that person ready to go. Yeah. And kind of to your point earlier and thinking again that this these are VAs, there's a big difference between hiring someone that can work you know, two, three, five, 20 hours that's not an employee that you don't have to pay the same insurance and all these other costs that you would with an employee, like with the system you have put in place, not only do you believe you should hire early to help shape your business and get ready for future needs, but it's easy now to do that, right? It's not, this seems way easier than actually trying to hire an employee. Yeah, I mean, all right, so I was talking about the the virtual assistant, non-U.S., in the Philippines handling customer service. I mean, it kind of goes both ways. Let's say I'm hiring a U.S. freelancer who's a a business owner that's running my Facebook ads. I I don't want to wait too long before I hire them because then I might have missed an opportunity. I want to hire them a little bit ahead of time, make sure they have time to create a plan or maybe we go through different plans. And then once I'm ready to execute, then they can hit the ground running right away. I don't want to be rushing them to, to, to get that stuff out there when I should have hired them a month ago. So it doesn't matter whether you're hiring an, an agency, a U.S. freelancer, a VA in the Philippines, you should always try to be more proactive or else you're just going to keep hiring people late. And over time, that's going to really hurt your business. No, sounds good. What are what are a couple of mindset things that you would think someone that's looking to scale their business, take it to the next level? Um, other than that obvious one right there, always try to be a little bit more proactive. What are some things that you've learned or, you know, we got a couple minutes left here. What would you say uh, you could help an entrepreneur who's trying to grow their business to the next level? Yeah. So one of the lessons that I learned really early on is just diversifying. I mean, I had, this is year two of my Amazon business and I'm thinking, all right, I'm stressed out. I'm working a lot. Let's hire a manager of the day. So I hire this person and I spend six months teaching him how to do orders, listings, customer service, repricing everything. And on the flip side, I had this one supplier who was doing 85% of my sales. And I said, you know what? I, I don't want to worry about the other suppliers. Let's just focus on him. So I, I get this, my business on autopilot, money's flying in, I'm working with this one supplier, this manager's doing everything, I'm, I'm sleeping better at night, and I decide to take my first vacation. And on the first day of my vacation, I get three phone calls, one from my manager of the day quitting on me, two from the supplier dropping me, and then three from my accountant saying that someone had filed a tax return on my name and I was going to have to deal with identity theft when I got home. So... I went from Jeez, this, buddy. <laughs> I know this unbelievable high to let's start all over again. But I, I learned a very valuable lesson about diversification and, and not putting your eggs in one basket. So 
when I got back, I, I built relationships with hundreds of suppliers. So when one dropped me and it wouldn't be the last one that did, it wasn't that big of a deal. And I departmentalized on the hiring, one person for orders, one person for listing, one person for customer service. And if someone quit, I just plugged someone else back in. So, I mean, that that's, it was a huge lesson for me. I'm so happy I learned that in year one and two and not in year four, five, six. Um, but when you're hiring or really all parts of your business, just assume that anyone can drop you, anyone can quit at any given time. And if you hire more strategically, you'll avoid a lot of the pitfalls that I went through. Oh, that's awesome. And thank you for helping people diversify their help by creating FreeUp. We appreciate having you on the show and uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I already signed up. Have you been listening to Beyond Eight Figures?